0: Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, the man's been a part of Vice, E, ESPN, ABC, Nat Geo, Red Bull Media, House. The list goes on and on and on, and frankly, it's an honor to me that this man even took time out of his busy schedule to come on this show. It's, it's the sound, it's the face, it's the look of action sports. It's a limit Masekela. Salima, how are things?
1: Uh, Things are well in a wild world, man. Um, That's the best way to to describe them. You know, when I look in the rearview mirror of the last year, um, I feel like it's a cross between being on the holodeck of the Starship Enterprise, um, a really, really weird twilight zone um unreleased film and um I don't know, a whole a whole lot of um appreciating and, and learning how to be more present than ever and not take any of it for granted.
0: I'm happy that you ended on that note right there because I'm curious, do you think that people are taking advantage of of this opportunity, this time to go outdoors and, and get back to nature? to to bring action sports back to life, to to really just get out there? Do you think people are doing enough?
1: I think that people are realizing that they should spend less time watching other people do it and get out there themselves. I I, I think obviously having our, our, our options become extremely limited and finite when it comes to what like entertainment looks like and feels like as most all of how we used to live doesn't really exist. Um, I, I, I I think people had two choices, like stay home, become super reclusive, um, gain the COVID 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever, (laughs) or, um, or figure out how to live as much as possible and invest in your your overall well-being, health-wise, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and movement. I think people really realize, like, oh, shit, I take, I take movement for granted. I mean, you can't buy a mountain bike right now. You can't buy a kayak. There's no neoprene wetsuit manufacturers that are having a difficult time manufacturing wetsuits because... There's a neoprene shortage because so many people have bought wetsuits. Um, if you're a surfboard shaper, COVID has taken you from being in an industry where it felt like, "Am, am I going to be able to keep my 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 board building business alive?" To now, surfboard shapers being like, "I won't be able to make a board for you in you know four to six months. You can't buy a split board um, for the backcountry snowboarding." if you wanted to right now, Uh, it's, it's, you know, you you go to REI and they're out of tents (laughs) and (laughs) everything. Like, I think, yeah, I think people are realizing like, Hey, I have a short time here on, on this experiment called life. And with these circumstances in particular, I better get out there and take advantage of it uh, the best that I can.
0: Another thing that's happening right now is also the uprising in the streets. Does this look different to you than any other times that you've seen uprisings before? And do you see actual change coming from it this time?
1: I think from as far as like a, from a from a civil rights standpoint, yeah i i it's it's the it's the loudest movement that i've experienced in my life lifetime and when i talk to those who have been around for for the other versions of of what, what the, the various moments in the civil rights and social justice movement um have looked like they all say this one is is the loudest and the most impactful probably a lot of that having to do with social media um and the fact that during COVID, again, all of our attention is 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 fairly focused in the same directions. Um, I knew there there was a build up to the George Floyd moment last year where you things were the discussion was getting louder via Ahmad Arbery and Breonna Taylor, and then George Floyd was just sort of like, okay, that's it. That just uh, the, the overspill of, of anger and grief and emotion um, caused the largest wave that I've ever seen. And I think it was the first time that I saw people who weren't Black or or, or Indigenous people of color really stop, look, and and listen and feel. I think um, I've seen more empathy, more of an ability or a desire for, from people to want to learn why circumstances are different for different types of, of people in this country, especially marginalized people. And so yeah, I do have I do see some hope. I do see people wanting to take more action and do their do the part that they c- that they can to be anti-racist, you know, not just to 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 be like to 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 have sympathy, but to figure out how how to be anti-racist and how to um affect those around them with positive anti-racist energy. That being said, um, it also feels like the dark forces uh, on, on the other side who would like things to be ma- maintained status quo have worked very hard to make people feel like um, this entire movement is some sort of victim uh, victim movement and... Um, that there is no need for social justice and that racism doesn't exist. And, you know, all you have to do is get up in the morning and want it and you can have whatever you want. Like there are, there are people who are never going to want to admit what the, the, the challenges that, that our this great country has that are, that are built in, just like the challenges you have in your own family, like this, there's, there's shit in all of our families that you're like, whew, man, if we could just get over that. And I think that's, that's part of what um, this is in, in our great American family. But I, it, I, am, I am hopeful, but there is still a lot more to do um, as I think January 6th um, was a very, very strong reminder of how far apart we are in really being able to be a, a, an actual whole union.
0: Well, and speaking of more to do, you now kind of have this reset because of COVID and the pandemic. When we come back from this and the world gets back to normal, what are some of the, you've always been very vocal about what you want to see changed. What do you want to see changed and fixed within the action sports community right now? Do you feel like it? It is me. it's as inclusive as it should be? even even past that, what are some of the things that you really want to see corrected?
1: Well, I think that one thing I'd like to see is the action sports industry work to expand the landscape of what its participants look like and figure out what the barriers to entry are For certain types of people who don't feel welcome, you know, listen, learn, uh, what those things might be. You know, I, I think when I look at the ski industry, um, and I, and I look at the, the big mountain corporations, the idea that it costs 200 and some odd dollars to go spend a day at the mountain on top of all the other ancillary money that they're making 80 ways to Sunday um, through retail and uh, experience, etc. It's like, where do we split the difference? How do we make it possible so that it's not just the rich and the elite that get to come and play in nature in this way? Um, how do we make the mountain lifestyle and the outdoor lifestyle uh, appealing to those who've been told or who people have assumed, well, those, are, those people just like to live in the city. Um, look at them. You know, one of the things that I think the outdoors industry has always done a very good job of is reaching out to people who don't live in the outdoors and making being out there and making the experience aspirational to the point where people will save up money, right? And you know, outfit their car for overlanding and camping and and save money up to go and 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 have these experiences that make their lives better. And you know, when, when, when we talk about the outdoors, most people don't realize that, like, the outdoors, beaches, mountains, and trails, were specifically designed and reserved to be safe spaces for white people um, in the midst of segregation. And it wasn't until, you know, the late 50s that the national parks and outdoors uh, were, were, were made legal for for black people and people of color to go to. But it took a long, long time for, and it's still taking a long time for those people to feel safe um, and welcome in those spaces. So I think what I expect or would hope from the industry is more understanding, more listening, more getting to know um, your potential customers who don't come from a, in communities that you're used to catering to and figuring out how to to get to know uh, and lure these other people out into this incredible like healing lifestyle i mean that's what the outdoors is you know we if you if you live and you get to participate and play in the outdoors you live a better life and i think for a for a, a society that's as fractured as ours is um getting as many people into the outdoors as possible is like is part of how we survive and move forward.
0: Are you excited that you're now on the board of directors of Burton so you can help push this forward and, and bring even more light to it and even more voices to, to this movement and, and try to push it forward and have them be an, an even further beacon of hope.
1: I mean, to say that it's an honor, it, it, would, it would be an understatement. You know, like I, I started snowboarding because of seeing a, a, a picture of Jake Burton on a back hill holding on to a to a rope uh, on this board with a gigantic smile on his face. And I was like, whatever that dude is doing, that looks cool. I want to do that someday. And my parents moved to Southern California in the late 80s, and I started snowboarding up at Snow Summit in 1988, and I never looked back. And But I never in a million years would have thought that, Somehow, or another someday, thirty-some odd years later, that I'd be able to to be part of decision making and and, and stewardship of, uh, of of the brand that really helped to build it all. And, and Jake Burton was a friend of mine. He got to be to to be a friend and mentor to me. So, yeah, I mean, to be able to sit in this space is incredible. And you know, I, for for snowboarding. And a lot of, of, of uh, the Alpine world, you know, Burton's one of those touchstone brands that like, as they lead, others follow. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of being able to give them some perspective that they might not be used to, some point of view that they might not be used to, um, to bring in other voices that can give perspective and point of view of, of other, other ways in which people live this lifestyle that they may or may not be aware of and how we can engage them. And also to like expand the image of what the brand looks like, you know, like I'm, we just signed um, Zeb Powell uh, to, to ride bird and snowboards and, and outerwear and, 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 and goggles this week. And it's a really big deal. You know, to me, Zeb is this incredible freak athlete that happens to be a young black kid from the mountain, from the from the high elevation of North Carolina, who is he's going to redefine what the sport looks like, and not just from a from a skill level, but also like what it actually looks like. You know, like the he has the 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 potential to be seen as one of the best snowboarders on this planet, and people are going to see a young black face uh, in that position, and in turn, from a representation standpoint, like people a lot of times, people ask me like, well, how come more people don't don't uh, do these sports that look like you. It comes down to representation. If you're a kid, you know, uh, someplace thinking about what he wants to do with his life, um, or where he, how he wants to play, and you see a, a picture or a video of someone that looks like you doing the thing, you're going to be far more apt to be like, "Yeah, I, I want I want to do that." I explain to people to, to to people like, you know, when it comes to skating or surfing or snowboarding, I'm goofy footed, right? which means I stand with my right foot forward. I can watch people that are regular footed and get it, you know, people who stand with their left foot forward, but I can't really feel what the maneuvers are like because it doesn't look like how I stand. So sometimes I'll even take that image of someone who's really good that's regular footed and watch it in a mirror so that I can see what it looks like as if they were standing right foot forward and suddenly it clicks. And it's the same thing for, for people who getting to it's even more pronounced for people getting to s- to see people that look like them excelling in a space. It literally gives them permission and belief and confidence that I can do that too. and so um yeah i'm 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 grateful and look forward to playing my part.
0: You've always been so instrumental in in moving all action sports forward for everybody in, in this really great, inclusive way but it's always been through these television mediums. Do you kind of feel like action sports and television is maybe on, (laughs) on the outward and, and we're, we're, we're we're kind of going to a, to a new place in time where we're going to have to figure out different ways of, of progressing the sport forward. All, all, all of the action sports forward.
1: (sighs) Action sports has always had its waves where in Madison Avenue and and the, the people with the big advertising um, purse strings have decided, oh, that's cool. Let's, you know, get behind some events, et cetera. Um, and in turn, you know, the, you've seen these big peaks and valleys consistently like the in the 80s people forget that like in the mid 80s skateboarding was on abc's wide world of sports on a saturday you know it was or on surfing you know they were broadcasting events from pipeline on on cbs you know with with the with their anchors there in the in the tan blazers marveling at the waves of pipeline um and then it was no longer the coolest thing and the, the the big lenses, the big cameras, the big advertisers went away, but the people who love the thing and um, who live the lifestyle always continue to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at X Games, and obviously I'm biased because I was there for 13 years, but I don't think it has the same impact that it once did. I don't think that ESPN um, puts the same uh, energy into broadcasting it and and creating an event that people want would be excited about if they if they if they're not a part of the the culture um but at the same time I, i think that i think that the sports no longer being like the athletes in the industry no longer like chasing chasing these moments that are on television um allow for the sports to grow in a far more genuine manner when you're not chasing like, Oh, I got to get to this event or this, this event. Um, th- the fact that like far more of, of the sports are driven by their premier events that are curated and built by those who do it. That's where you get real, real growth. I mean, getting, for me getting to be a part of of uh, Red Bull rampage the last six or seven years, like, there is a, a homegrown 100% mountain bike built mountain bike event that like every year defies, um, possibility and it's hundred percent, you know, built by the, by the mountain bike industry, you know, it's never going anywhere. Um, and I think that those type of events, I think like what, what Travis Rice just did with, um, natural selection in Jackson hole, that's the future, right? There's, that's, that's a snowboarding event where people who may have watched the X Games or the Olympics a hundred times are like, wait a minute, this looks cool. This is different. They're out in the backcountry and they're hitting these, these jumps that were built into the mountain in the summer so that when the snow falls, they could go a hundred feet. But in, in the natural fall line of the mountain, that's something that I, that I'm, that I, I can get behind. Like This is a culture I want to know more about. Um, you know you look at the at skateboarding, you know and and the barracks and, and, and Braille, you know, skateboarding is a hundred percent driven uh, on, online and, and by storytelling that people do um, in, on social media platforms. So I don't I don't think I don't think that cultures need television anymore. you know, ke- television shows up to, to showcase what's already going on, but these, these sports are always going to be driven by those who are passionate about it and who live it, and who want to figure out new ways to to storytell um, what the culture is and, and what else is possible.
0: You grew up in a pretty musical household. Do you think that this is what contributed to essentially your MC approach in, in from the sidelines of when you used to go to skate shops all the way up to the X Games and, and to Red Bull and beyond? Do you think that it was those bass music levels and and that bass music kind of education and being surrounded by that is what got you prepared for being essentially the MC of action sports and how much does music play a role in your life now?
1: That is a incredibly astute observation within the question. I was having a conversation this morning with a friend at breakfast, um, who was asking me a, a, a about my journey. And I was like, yeah, you know, I always, I literally said this morning, I'm like, I always took a musical approach to, to commentary, to being on the mic. You know, I grew up, I grew up watching my father perform as a musician. Um, and my earliest memories of him were being in jazz clubs at like, you know, five or six years old. And so, that level of, of, of storytelling and improvisation, both as a musician and in the manner in which he engaged the audience, those were things that like I was fascinated by and marveled by at when I would watch my dad play. And when it came time for me to switch from music as a primary passion for me to surfing and snowboarding, I applied that same sort of lens in how I viewed it and how I talked about it, definitely, through through this musical lens. Because I've I said this plenty of times. I really do think that these sports, in particular, outdoor sports, um, and especially surfing and snowboarding, skateboarding, I think they are the most artistic form of athletic, athletic expression. They're very musical. It's like you're, the, 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 you're, you're your playing notes, you're dancing, you know, it's very interpretive, um, in, but you don't have to read sheet music. You know, you, you, you play according to the beat that's given to you. And so, yeah, I, I think I always sort of, I've always seen it that way. And, and I think it's, what's always allowed me to, um, to not be married to one particular style or to try to be like a, a broadcaster because it's, so much more fun than, than that it's so much more loose and free than that like who am i to try to contain it um by suddenly trying to be all straight make 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 something so loose and so free and so musical um straight laced and buttoned up so yeah that's that's always been my my approach and as far as what music role music plays for me it's it's a huge part of my life i mean i make music i have a band. Um, my little music project, which is called Alakazam, which is Masekela backwards. Um, and my favorite my favorite thing to do when I'm not, um, you know, out outside playing is writing music and figure out ways to storytell through song. And I'm really, really grateful to my father that um, he passed that down to me and also that he supported me um, in my endeavors once he saw that I was, that, that, that snowboarding and surfing especially were, had become my music.
0: Where would you say is is your favorite place to just get out and hit the slopes at? Are are you one of those guys that you still believe there's an untouched spot that you just haven't got to yet and you're always just looking for that new incredible <laughs> piece of untouched powder?
1: My favorite place to ride is Baldface. Uh, Baldface bald uh, uh, in 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 Canada uh, in Nelson, British Columbia. It's a a cat cat service cat operation in the backcountry, and that place has changed my life. I never really spent t- consistent time in the backcountry until I went to Travis's um, supernatural event in 2012, and that's when I was just like, oh waiting for powder days at a resort is cool, but like, <laughs> it's always out here. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what it is. And I started going consistently after that. I, I became really good friends with Jeff Pincero, who, who, who started it um, and was a dear friend with Craig, with Craig Kelly when they discovered that area. And so that's my favorite place. And I, I, I felt lucky that I've been able to go and, and, and ride there as much as I have gotten to. That being said, um, as far as resorts are concerned, Whistler Black Home was my favorite North American uh, resort. But after experiencing 10 days at peak Jackson Hole, Wyoming, that place is insane. It is, it to me, hands down, is the best, best like lift ticket access to each and every type of terrain you could possibly imagine with some of the greatest Snow in the world um, ever. I'm in love with with Jackson. It's out of it's out of my price range, lifestyle wise. But um, I'm going to figure out how to keep getting getting back to Jackson. Aspirationally, I still have not been to Alaska, and so uh, Alaska is an Alaska heli trip. Is 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 that's the that's the that's the one that's the one that I would like to experience. Before it's all said and done
0: Well finally What can we expect from you coming up
1: Hmm What can you expect from me coming up That's a great question Um, My podcast um, The What Shapes Us Podcast Is uh, getting back up online With that I'm dropping a new episode this week Available wherever you like to listen to podcasts Um there is a book in the works, a memoir, that I hope to, to have in the world in the next, um, I don't know, 18 months or so. And um, I'm developing a couple different projects, uh, one in particular based around um, some aspects of, of my father's life that I'm really excited about. Um, 15, the 15th year of um, my foundation, Stoked Mentoring, which um, we, we just uh, partnered with some really cool um, brands that are going to give us some support to help us really grow stoked. And again, you know, the initiative, the initiative of, of stoked mentoring, which you could check out at stoked.org has always been about giving kids that wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity, the opportunity to experience um, the action sports lifestyle. And in turn, use the principles associated with these sports to become better human beings. So that's, um, that's the stuff that I'm excited about, um, right now. And yeah, at this point, you know, every, every day is a bonus, man. So, um, I'm just happy to be here.
0: Salama, it's a true honor to have you on the show. I hope that we can do this again sometime in the future and yeah, just thank you for taking some time out of your day. It really means a lot to me from this white kid up in Canada. I always looked up to you, dude. Um I always enjoyed your your commentary, just everything that you always did. I always followed you. So, thank you again so much. Uh
1: that that really really means a lot, man. I appreciate you uh reaching out. I mean, your your note was so genuine that I was like, yeah, how how could i not and i'm my i have a big part of my heart um lies in canada and some i've had some of my greatest experiences there i just i love i love the people and i love what getting to spend time in and, in and around um you know especially in dc um it just it made a big difference in my life so the 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 maple leaf helped
0: well hey man i'm i'm from alberta well from calgary and hey listen it's 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 uh, yeah but uh, it's it's really bad because i don't hit the alberta slopes a lot i want to go to the bc stuff i prefer to go to Fernie and stuff like that so
1: lake louise is the coldest i've ever been in my life but also (laughs) also also one of the coolest coolest places um that i've ever been to what fuck, what beautiful country i tell people all the time man. the drive from calgary uh into lake louise forget about it man that's that's really really hard to be i need to get up there in the summer and experience that
0: you just bring a bike out do anything up there in the mountains in the summer it's so much fun and it's when it's all green it's it's so beautiful you would you would absolutely love it
1: Right on, man. Right on. Well, again, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh it, it it means a lot and thank you for the kind words. Thank you. All right. To be continued. Take care.
0: Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was Salima or as most of you know, Sal Masakela. Make sure to catch up with uh, all things Salima Masakela and uh this concludes our broadcast day.